0: Amen. Well, it's good to see you all. Everyone here. Um, and how are you doing? Have we baptized you yet, by the way? Are you ready to be baptized? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> We're having our own little personal dialogue here. Um, it's good to see you all. I'm going to do something that I've never done before, and that's I'm actually going to speak from my computer so it won't be my computer speaking but i'll be using my computer as notes um although there are people who think that i do speak like i'm a computer um well good to see you and i hope that you have been enjoying benjamin uh robinson he's kind of a tour de force if you will he's one of the great i think one of the great communicators that we have um and he absolutely loved being here and so thank you for taking care of him he he got he came back in one piece um, but uh, we are, if you haven't figured this one out, how you doing by the way? long, long time no see. Uh, <laughs> um, Vic and I had a good, uh, he took me to this incredible burger place. And so if you're lucky, he'll take you out You know, to, to the same place. Um, let me tell you where we're at. And I think just to start off, uh, we are still assembling uh, a teaching team. Uh, we are also, uh, processing through how we are going to uh, recalibrate the church and um, we're, we're very excited about our plans we're also simultaneously looking at our building um, I've met several times on and off with um, Premier and Nate and the team and so we do we've, we've done quite a few zoom calls and we're also honing that down and we'll have we should be able to uh, give you some more news I think this week or the following week we're very close to signing the contract and so everything that that was prepared way before I got here and all the things that we have been doing everything from the design of the church to the timing you know of the church being built um, has been discussed and very very exciting Um, and so we're building a teaching team here and we're also planning to build in a building there now to me um, it's it's the most important thing is the body not the building and so um, with with where um, Peninsula Hope is um, we are pulling in as I've said before some teachers Uh, these teachers in, in my estimation are some of the best teachers you know that we have and so you're gonna enjoy them um, I continue to meet um, and with the conference in regards to looking at next steps for this church. Uh, we're still in that kind of getting to know you, see who's here, see who's committed, see who's not, and to give us an idea, see where we are financially. And so we're still going through all of the data. But what, what you need to know is, is that you, man, you have 24-hour prayer, this church does. And this church is a priority, it isn't a second thought and from what we are looking at in regards to um, future of the church we're looking to recruit not somebody who is pastored a church but someone who's a proven leader and somebody who has actually done it and um, and this this will be our Northern California hub and this this is going to be a very important church so at this point sometimes it doesn't feel that way (laughs) Um, but I could tell you right now, um, it, you're not only are you in our hearts, yeah, in, in, just individually, but collectively as well. So I'll be giving you some news about who some of these teammates are who will come in and teach. Um, and we'll also let you know where we are with our building. And we'll grow together. And it's been fun just seeing who's in. Yeah, um, because as you know, there are some people who are still on the sidelines and there are some people who are just gone. and uh, but then there's you who are here, and I just want you to know I'm so glad you're here. Um, we are going to do this in, in, until we see this thing through. So uh, I want you to be encouraged, uh, and it's just always good to see you. you know, from the first time I walked into this building, I, I have felt hope, even though maybe it might not have felt that, but I really do. I feel hope that God is going to pull together some great leadership. I am pretty much, I'm going to be here right until we start vetting leaders. And then um, we will hire a leader and that that leader and possibly a team of leaders to come in here and to join up with you to reach your community. So uh, this is not wasted time. We're not just throwing teachers at you just to keep you busy. Um, We are, however, trying to do our best to figure out how we can build a strategy um, to not only honor the core here, but also reach our community on the outside too, and so that's that's a difficult thing when we're this size. It may feel that way, but hey, Jesus had twelve, and what did he do? He transformed the world. I've planted three churches; every one of them grew over a thousand, and and I had nobody except for my lovely wife, you know. Uh, and so so it's more than possible. But I don't want to come in here and pretend like, you know, that this isn't a, um, a, this you know. The, and ignore the obvious, you know, um, we're here. I'll always let you know why I'm here and what we're thinking and have some really good times with some of you just talking about your heart. So just know, you know, you're loved and um, don't give up. Don't even come close to giving up. In fact, uh, uh, we'll see this one through together. Okay, I want you to be encouraged because there's encouraging strategy, but beyond that, the intercession that's going on for this church is off the charts not only in the Free Method Church, but, but in a few other denominations too. And mainly, I will tell you, because God, God has his footprint on this place. And, and, and he's, you know, I don't want to talk. We, we just need to see it happen, okay? Um, I have been, when I've been with you, talking about very specific things, and I've been very intentional. I've pastored for years and years and years. And when I teach, it's generally there to uh, instruct inspire um i tend to be more of of uh, of an inspirational hey come on let's go out there let's do this you know yeah It's 300 to one but man with one plus god you know is the majority Uh, but starting off here i've been very intentional in making sure that we're all on the same page about some really crucial foundational things about the church and so so we talked about um what is a church what's what's it for then we talked about what what should a church be doing? And, and today what I wanna do um, is talk about what does the church believe? Now some of you are theologians. We're gonna have a little mini conversation about our theology, what we believe. And you may ask the question, now why why, why are you gonna do that? We're gonna look at some doctrine. Because I want us all to be on the same page of what we believe, but there's one other reason why i have studied for the last five years this next gen and what they believe Um, 40 percent of gen z and millennials don't think that the bible has any meaning at all 40 percent the 60 percent remaining they have all kinds of views about what the bible is Uh, but here's what you need to hear it's everything from a book of poetry to a book of stories all the way straight down to you know it, it it has inspiration for life and maybe at that and so it, it will blow your mind about people's view of what we consider our doctrine when you realize that as i've shared before that 75 percent of pastors haven't led anybody to the lord for the last five years pastors and you realize, what's going on here? What's happening in the church? Here's the thing that I think really blows my mind, and that is this. It would surprise you how how few people know what our doctrinal statements are. And if they knew what they are, what the depth of their understanding of our doctrinal statements. Now, why is that important? Here's why. It's what we believe. It's also what we trust God for. And we're talking the foundation of our faith to know how to navigate by the Holy Spirit and to be rooted in his presence and in his word. So it, it's, it's actually shocking to see what's happening to, I'm not talking about the church as a whole, I'm talking about the evangelical church. And so today is kind of one of those exercises, I almost didn't want to do it because it isn't sexy. But I want to go through what we believe. I want to go through our doctrine. Now, we're not going to have a lot of time to park in a lot of our points, but it'll remind you to, you know, what are what I call the essentials of our faith. Huge, huge deal. I've been around theologians my entire life, and I will tell you that they're not um, always easy to understand. (laughs) They they, they write to each other. So God gives pastors um, the gift uh, to be able to bring it down to our level. And so that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to go through a lot of material here. But I want you to know, before we start, here's how I view theological talks, okay? Um, Because sometimes churches get really proud about one aspect of their theology, we speak in tongues. Others get really proud about, we don't speak in tongues. You know, and and they hang up on certain doctrinal views, and they grow a little pride that comes from who knows where, Um, and we're the church that smiles all the time, you know? We're the church, you know, that has healing services. We're the church, well, that's great. No, but in essence, we're the church that honors the word of God, that lifts up the name of Jesus. You know, that does what he asks us to do. We're obedient to him. And so we settle on prideful um, issues on really uh, partial parts of our expression of our Christian faith. And and so because of that, I've developed, and this is not mine, but I have definitely jumped on it, how we should view our theology before we even start. And that is is this, in our essential beliefs, and I'm talking about the beliefs that are absolutely essential to your salvation and your spiritual health, we have unity. The things that I'm gonna be talking about are things that define what orthodoxy is orthodoxy is the pureness of our Christian faith it is what all true Christians believe and in those essential components that we should all know in fact we should all know them by heart we have unity oh people may debate them they they may not believe what we believe but that's what God uh, holds up for us as a foundation for our theology very very big so listen to this in our essential beliefs, we have unity. If you don't agree, you don't agree. It's God's word. We're gonna love you. We hope that you get, come in alignment, but you don't agree. And so we'll have to agree to disagree. Uh, and we stand by it. And I'll go through those just in a second. But that's, it's important for you to hear, in essential beliefs, issues that, that directly affect our walk, spiritual health, and our salvation, we have unity. There is no discourse. Uh, oh, there's questions people have and so we don't break off from that Um, in our non-essential beliefs we have diversity and what I mean by non-essential beliefs some people raise their hand in church some people don't you know uh, uh, some people baptize every single Sunday some people never have a baptism you know or they should Um, and and so ultimately I don't care if you raise your hand I don't even care if, if you dance in the spirit, you know, as long as you don't hurt anybody. Um, but in that sense, we have different kinds of churches with different kinds of flavors, and who cares? Let them do what they want to do, you know, as long as it doesn't dishonor God. And so listen closely. In the essential beliefs, we have absolute unity. In non essential beliefs, we have diversity. And in all of our Christian beliefs, if it's Pentecostal, if it's those frozen chosen Baptists over there, you know, if it's Lutheran, you know, as long as they're teaching God's word, um, in all of our beliefs, all of our Christian traditions that have an Orthodox belief, uh, we have charity. We're not not ever, we'll never be a church that will um, criticize a church that's teaching the Bible just because we don't like, you know, um, how loud the pastor gets, you know, um, or the color of people in that church or you know, the, uh, um, the way that they worship, um, I would say that churches that, that cannibalize other churches that teach God's word are not healthy churches. In fact, they're dangerous. And so I wanted to start off that way. In our essential beliefs, we have unity. So we're gonna start going through what are the things that we have to, that, that we have to uh, be in alignment with in order to truly have an Orthodox theology. In our non-essential beliefs, we have diversity. How many of you like raising your hand during worship? Any of you? Okay, the first time I saw that, I kid you not, I thought somebody was arrested. You know what I mean? You know, it's two hands up in the air. I had, I had never seen anything like that before. I thought they were crazy. You know, and then I went to a church where they started speaking in tongues. And then I thought, in fact, I went to a college where they were speaking in tongues in a chapel service, and I walked out because I'd never seen anything like that. And as the, the president saw me walk out. And he goes, you're supposed to be in there. And I said, I'm not going back in that place. You're nuts. <laughs> and I go, he laughed. He said, well, he said, how long have you been a Christian? And I said, not very long. And he kind of walked me through the Holy Spirit, the expression of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you what, if he hadn't done it, I would have walked away thinking that place was just cuckoo. You know, um, but um, but the reality is, is that. Uh, understanding these these essentials um, are absolutely critical and I've already said it I'm not trying to be sexy here I'm I'm just trying to bring down the word you know so you have a good good foundation of what those uh, Orthodox beliefs are so um, so I want to start out with the Bible our tenets of faith what about the Bible well I've already said that very few people see the Bible as God's Word They, they see it as a literature inspiration poems great stories but the Bible actually defines itself the Bible literally is is fully inspired by God in its entirety and I'm gonna get into that more in a second it's his perfect word it's our authority for our faith in our life the blueprint for life that God allows us to use to navigate through the most difficult times, as well as celebrate the best times of our life. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I love this verse, and you, should, you need to remember that verse. 2 Timothy 3, and you'll see I have some proof text there uh, as well, but I wanted to go through uh, this one for the Bible. Listen to this, all scripture is breathed out by God. Now, now Think about that. Those aren't just printed words on some page. They are literally the product of God breathing out his intentions, his heart, his character. That's pretty profound when you think about it. It says, same verse, it's profitable for teaching. Of course, I always call that a no-duh statement. Of course it is, you know. He's teaching us how to do life in the spirit this book that we call the bible it is a life it's a pathway for life he says it's also good for reproof does anybody know what that word means reproof it literally means correction or rebuke so it will tell you the black and the white it doesn't hold back at all so the bible is also there to rebuke or to stop you from doing something that's going to harm you, your family, your spirit. So it's God-breathed, it's profitable for teaching and for reproof, And so, sometimes that's the most important element of the scripture. It, it tells us where those boundaries are. And if you, and if you cross those boundaries then you've stepped away from God's pathway, and that's where we get ourselves into trouble. It's also there for training in righteousness. I love it, what it says here. It says, it's God breathed, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and listen to this, uh, for training in righteousness. It helps us become more like God when we read about what not only his expectations are, but, but by reading about how the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about, and how it literally changes our character from the inside out. It is absolutely essential for us to understand that this training for righteousness is there that we may be complete and and equipped to live a healthy life. And listen to this, to do, the Bible says, to do good works. And so the next time that you see it on the shelf, collecting dust, It's like a treasure chest, you know, that's buried out in the middle of somewhere, then somebody forgot, they marked it with X, and they forgot where that X was. Being in the Word is far more than some kind of preacher making you feel guilty if you're not. It isn't just a vain exercise, it is our connection, our pathway to the heart and the character of God. It is absolutely essential. And in today's world, it's a book of poetry. In fact, the average millennial knows more about the characters in Harry Potter than they do in the scripture. Gives you an idea of, of, and, and, and so we wonder, what's happening? The very instruction that God gives us to live on a pathway is disregarded, ignored. Not just in the world, oftentimes from us, if we're not in it. And so it's it's mystical in many many ways but powerful in every single way and so um that's what we believe about the bible now if you're here and you think the bible is just another holy book you know or just another book in the and in in the in the library when people come to this church as we begin to build for the next chapter they're gonna know that we have the highest view of, uh, of Now think about this when the bible says that it's god's breath in print that's powerful that's what it is and that's why it's so essential for us that when we teach we don't just teach our opinions we teach god's word okay now most of you know that because you here's not i would like to know how many of us actually read our word you know um but um so for anybody that ever has any question about what the bible is um it's it's a foundation of, of how God leads us through the nuances of life in the spirit powerful but what about God who is God well the Bible says that there is one God who uh, is personal and he's infinite and I like that he, he's personal and infinite we'll, we'll touch on that he's perfect and he exists eternally as as Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I pastored, um, every year would have uh, a teaching on the Trinity because there are very few Christians who understand how it all links together. Uh, there are some who do, um, but, there, but depending on your view of God will tell you a whole lot about how you see God, how you depend on God, what you expect from God, what you wanna do for and with God. And so um, I have a lot of, of scripture that I'm just gonna go through some of the things that the Bible says about God. Well, the Bible says he's sinless, he's pure. Now it's hard for us to even imagine what pure is. Yeah, uh, we have this great you know, uh, uh, water purifier in San Clemente you know, because the water sometimes there isn't all that good and man we had this but even at it's great and i'm telling you nothing can get through our filter you know we, we we thought um but you start thinking about the purest water and you're thirsty and oh man that's good um but think about living a pure life your thought life you know your actions um your 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 deeds uh who you are when no one's looking You know, um, how many of us would say we're pure? Well, we know, you know, that if you said that, I would say, you know what? I love you. You're lying. You know, uh, uh, and we'll talk about man here in a second. But I love what the Bible says about God. It says that he, he, with a single breath, he began to create um, uh, the universe and everything we know, space and time. All, all, all materials, you know, um, that we see and we don't see. But he doesn't just create those, he, preser- he preserves all things. The very orbit in which we're in, God, the Bible says that God holds us into this perfect orbit, that if we are off that orbit axis by one or two percent, either we dry up or we get inundated by floods. We're not here by accident. This universe isn't here by accident. I've already said the concepts of life and of and of matter w- w- were thought of by God. And here's what I here's what what Isaiah says. He says, "But His love is pure." Now, I want you to think about that, because that was one of the reasons why He sent His own Son. In other words, He has no bias. He, if Jesus, you know. The whole reason why he came, he didn't come here. The Bible says, you know, to to judge you. He came here to save you. His motives are pure in every single way. But imagine a pure love. Wouldn't it be great if we were all raised by parents that had pure love? Now, my mother, you know, she's an Italian, full-blooded Italian, and she had pure-blooded Italian love which was you know verbally violent <laughs> physically comforting my mom was the kind of person and uh, don't ask me where she got this but when she gave she would get she had this spoon and it was a wooden spoon and she just had an unbelievable ability to, you know to throw that spoon anywhere you could be you could hide behind the corner and that's that spoon would somehow spin and hit you around the corner and, and so, uh, so I don't know where she got that gift. So we always say she had the gift of spoon, you know, a uh, spiritual gift. Um, but she had this, she, and, and the words she would use, and this will freak you out, so I don't want to freak you out. She's wonderful. She's in heaven right now. She's probably bossing everybody around. But um, she, would, she would say things to this, because this is what she, was, she heard from her parents. She says, I want you, you better get in. You better get in by 12 o'clock. And if you don't, now this will be graphic. Um, She'll say, "I'll stick you," and and you know, as a kid, stickers. I'll stick you with a knife. Don't worry, mom will be in by 12. <laughs> and she would use language like that. So, my, when my friends would come over, she said, You know what? I told you, don't make me have to stick you with a knife. And my friends would go, Oh, what is this? And, you know, it took me a few years to unravel all of that, I have to admit. Uh, and yet, she'd be the one who you know, who would sit on the couch and say, Sit by me, tell me how you're doing, and, and just loving. But I got to tell you, as pure as her love was, you know, <laughs> um, being threatened by having an stuck in you is probably not you know well of course um, i'm not exaggerating that story but we all have different experiences and she would obviously never do it because we're all here We're proof that she never has um uh i love what, what uh, um ezekiel says is this, his his countenance is penetrating isaiah says the same thing it's so penetrating his you can't even look upon him in fact, Isaiah says, "Woe am I!" It's like landing on the surface of the sun, and there's something about his countenance that this sees through all of, of, you know, either the ugly things, the polluted things, even what we consider pure. He sees through it all. His so his countenance is penetrating. The Bible says he's, he's all-powerful. There isn't a source in the whole cosmos that can overpower God. Um, he's always present. How in the world can he do that? Always present. Well, how can he be present in San Clemente and here in Redwood City at the same time? You know, we're going to have to ask him that question. <laughs> That's God. That's who he is. And this is how he describes himself through his word. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. There isn't anything he doesn't know. And a lot of people have issues with that. Well, then how come, did he know that man was going to fall? And, um, and I mean, and, and it's okay to ask questions, by the way, you know, about, about these characteristics. But this is how he describes himself. So when we say the word God in here, when we worship God, that's what we're talking about. He's all these things, and yet he knows your name. I mean, it's, just, it's just beyond belief. And again, think about that, the next thing you take his name in vain. I mean, it's something that, again, we need to be reminded of who the cast of characters that, that are just so essential for us to understand their being. What about the work of Jesus Christ? This is as crucial as anything that you'll ever hear. Now, I know that I could do a series on every one of these. And I'm definitely trying to insult your intelligence by going through all of them. But I want you to have the baseline. So who is Jesus? Jesus, in its very sense, is God. He is part of the Trinity. In fact, the Bible says he's the host. He is literally the icon. He is the exact representation of God in flesh. He's God, and yet he's man. He's man, and the reason why that's important—he walked here as man because the Bible says that he was tempted in every way, and yet was never ever compromised his holiness. Now, I saw a movie, and I'm not gonna—I'm not gonna recommend this because I read the book first. Uh, called *The Last Temptation of Christ*. I don't know if you remember that. There's lots of skepticism about that movie because it was about. Um, uh, could Jesus be tempted? And I, it's worth going through this, at least the, um, the premise of the book, because it's powerful. It, it was about um, them, cap, you know, capturing Jesus, beating him, and uh, nailing him to the cross. And in, in the sequence of the book and the movie, they, they come to the point to where they're about ready to pound the nails into his hands and nail him to the cross and at that point again book and movie Jesus says don't stop it I renounce who I am this is book movie and of course people just went nuts when when they saw that they didn't go through the rest they just stopped right there and so they took the nail out of his hand and they and they basically just shoved them aside and said, get out of here, you're pathetic. And so Jesus ends up, this is the book, you know, finding, you know, basically he gets married to Mary, have children, and one day while he's working in his workshop, um, the apostle Paul comes through, preaching Christ and Christ crucified. So, so Jesus, well, wait a second, I, I'm, I'm Christ. And you know, I walked away from that. So who are you talking about? And Paul says, Paul said in this, in this narrative, he said, no, you're not. My Christ was, was uh, um, he died on the cross and he's resurrected and sitting at the right hand of the father and kind of talked a little bit about the work of, of, of Christ and what he did for mankind. And, and so this is the book. And I know I risk by even talking about this stuff. But, so he um, goes back to his family and he said, I made a huge mistake, I was supposed to be crucified. Remember, this is a book, I have to say that 10 more times. Um, and, and then what happened, and this is, is that he calls all the disciples, some of them were still around, and he says, I want you to nail me to the cross. Because that was, that was why God, you know, um, I'm part Italian every once in a while you'll see some tears. so so they gather all the ones who are alive around and I'm gonna get a drink of water here. Don't worry you don't have to call 911 I'll be okay um, whoops and so one of the disciples gets this hammer and gets this, this nail. And pounds it into his hand. Right then, the whole thing reverted back to when he was being nailed to the cross, and the whole premise was he—that was about as close to temptation he, that he would ever had. Now, of course, it's not theologically aligned, but it showed for one second. That that, he would, that that thought that lasted a millisecond uh, was what the whole book is about. Could he be tempted not to do this? Well, well as soon as he, they started hammering, it was the Roman soldier that was hammering in there. And so no time had gone by. It was a millisecond. Now, of course, like I said, it's not theologically accurate. But the bottom line, the whole premise of the book is he may have been tempted, but we don't even understand how. And he never gave into it ever gave into it and and it ended up being a powerful story that you know uh and it it just shook me up you know then still does to think that he did that for us and could easily be uh, attempted not to do it and he did not give into that temptation and that's the great love that he has for us and so i'm not giving any of this uh, a lot of honor because i need to Move on. But here's what you need to know. He was born of a virgin. The Bible prophesies that. He lived a sinless life. He died in our place to pay for our sins. He came to save us. Save us from what? The consequences of our lifestyle. From sin. Listen to this. Saving us from having to face God without grace and his presence. In fact Jesus Christ is the only ground for man's legal standing before God uh, which includes both our forgiveness of sin and even the gift of the holy spirit that 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 he prophesied would be you know the paraclete you know when when he when he rose from from the grave and so when we celebrate the person of Jesus really the whole reason why we have access to to the to the living god and hope for heaven is by the work that he did on the cross for us and our faith in him and our obedience to him is really what makes us listen to this saved saved from the consequences of sin and evil and lostness, and eternity without God. And this is powerful stuff. But not everybody sees Jesus the way that I just described. He's another religious figure. The World Council of Churches, on which I won't n- name the churches, um, 70% of them believe that Jesus is um, a religious, inspiring figure. But they stop short of saying that he's the Son of God. Some of them say, well, he's one of the sons of God. And then they list several others. So in this church, you know, we say that, you know, he is the son of God. And the only way to heaven is through him. And so, again, this, these are reminders. Uh, some of you, I'm sure, have heard this. I don't ever want to take it for granted that you have. Um, uh, what about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is is a divine person. It isn't an, it. It isn't a, like an ethereal uh, uh, ethereal uh, ghost that floats around, you know, and uh, like Casper. Um, it it really is the expression of God in spirit. And you know, part of His purpose is it to work in convicting men of their sin. He's the one that makes you aware that you're about ready to step over a moral boundary that's going to have consequences for your life. He's involved in in our new birth. When we're born again, the Bible said he literally, the Holy Spirit seals our salvation. Powerful stuff. Um, In John 14... Jesus tells his disciples, and listen to this, he says, uh, the Father will send the Holy Spirit to teach you all things. Now listen to that, to teach you all things. Part of his responsibility is to teach you all things and to bring back memories of all the things that I have taught. And so... Being in the Spirit, as we talk about, is essential to understanding with clarity what God's Word is. I love this, because um, the Bible literally describes the Holy Spirit as the paraclete, which means the one who walks beside you through life, the one who helps you. He's the helper, if you if you will help you through the new navigate in the nuances of life, he's the advocate. When the enemy comes against you and accuses you, because the enemy is the accuser of the brother, he's your advocate. Brings to mind who you are in Jesus. He's our counselor. I always tell couples before you ever even go to bed, pray about everything. Now you can't pray about everything but you can pray about this. But if if you've come to the end of your physical or or intellectual wisdom to know how to get beyond a barrier, stop and pray because you're inviting the wisdom of God to come in to bring counsel to you. Plus, it also reminds you that you were never meant to do this by yourself, that there's a paraclete to help you, not only through your life individually, but uh, as couples. And one of the most dynamic things is to do is to invite the holy spirit in in you know your life together so you're not trying to figure it all by yourself and i can't tell you how many times that me and my wife would say this and my italian side would say there's no way and and you know then we're going to go to bed and 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 we, we stop and pray and either through that prayer or through the night or through the next week God just opens up this. I don't even know how it works. This is supernatural, a solution. And I can't tell you how many times that our prayer life opened up the direction of the pathway for the very thing that we could not get beyond. Well, who's doing that? It's the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that not only is he a source of of guidance, but personal revelation. He reveals things about yourself, that dream that's in your heart to impact the world and beyond. There's a really good chance that, that he will reveal that to you. And I hope you all have that kind of dream. Discernment to know where to walk, when not to walk, that protects us physically, but specifically spiritually, comes from the Holy Spirit, the power to get through. And we just experienced one of the most awe-inspiring displays of God's power. When I watched my daughter, who who, who was just literally withering, and just the miracle. Yeah, we, we pulled in a pretty good neurosurgeon, but I can guarantee you even he said this is a miracle. And I started thinking about the power of God's Spirit in our life just to get through. And how when, you know, I don't know how many times we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but he gives us gifts to be able to walk through life with power and confidence. They're not crazy stuff. They're there for us. 1 Corinthians is one of the most powerful chapters in the Word of God. Romans 12 is another one about the work of the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing I want you to hear about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit develops your character. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, you'll be who you were or who you are for a long time. But he loves you too much to keep you that way. The Holy Spirit. So like I said, we could teach all these things, you know, in a series and spend lots of time on each one of them. But I want to talk about a few more. Uh, Man. Who is man? You know what I mean? Well, you. You are, male and female. you know. Uh, um, the Bible says that that man was made in the image of God. I mean, and so it, this is a fascinating thing because we all have to admit that man has the capacity to do a whole lot. I mean, the creative force alone, you know, fr- from science to cinema, <laughs> you name it. It's just where did that come from? You know, it, is it, you know... Because we're a highly evolved species. No, because at the very root of all of us, saved, non saved, you know, we have the creative power. We're made in the image of God. But the Bible says that we fell in sin, Adam did, and that the very nature of man is to sin. But that's an important part. Because you know, the, the new ism of the day actually comes out of Europe. There's philosophers spreading like crazy. That man, in essence, is born pure. And society is the one that wrecks them. Well, that has nothing to do with the scripture. The scripture says that we are born with the sin nature. And without the intervention of Christ in our life, we'll continue to run that course until we hurt ourselves and everybody around us. And so basically, we are, we are made as as um a philosopher once said with a god-shaped hole you know in our soul that without god being present in this 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 human you know makeup you know we we lose the compass and the inspiration and 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 even the desire to be motivated to help the human cause and so Man is, is, is really has a sinful nature, and it's by choice we can be restored in God's favor through the work of Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But if we ever begin to think that we're smarter or that we can, we can begin to navigate through life without the presence of God in our life, you will see the byproduct of that in our generations that come. And so we were designed literally to be in relationship with God. Let me tell you about salvation. The next one. Salvation comes to man only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, apart from no human merit. In other words, there's no way you can work yourself into good deeds to become saved and to have that kind of relationship with God that he intended. It is a complete surrender of your will. It's when you resign as the general manager of your life and say, "Okay, God, you're the you're the one who, who who now runs my life." The Holy Spirit is your counselor and your guidance, and the Word is your pathway. And and and, and the great thing when I start talking about salvation and and a healthy church sees salvation. Um, salvation is a free gift, um, bought to man by grace and and. It, by receiving a personal faith in Jesus, his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Those are powerful things, you know, that we, we need to be reminded of, you know, teach, to teach. And when you get the opportunity and start talking or discipling others, these are key things about Christian faith that we need to know to spread. Now, I realize we're, we're over time as usual. Um, what about the church? Well, I've spent a lot of time talking about church, so I'm always gonna get right down to this already the last few times that I was here. Uh, you need to know that Jesus is the head of the church. And in fact, I you know, I have one friend that says lead pastor, Jesus, and then um, you know, co-worker in faith, and then he lists his name. And I thought, you know, that was okay, it's a little crazy, but but it works, you know. Jesus is the pastor of this church. And we, we do anything outside the bounds of his character or his, his words, then we fail him miserably. If we don't teach the full counsel of God's word, which includes uncomfortable types of things about sexuality, and, you know, and and um, you know personal sin, then then what we're doing is is that we're truncating the whole purpose of why we exist as a church. It's designed to do, the church is designed, we talked about the Great Commission, um, I think it was last month, it's designed, the church is designed to do the Great Commission and to fulfill His Great Commandments. If we're not doing either one of those, then we're a Kiwanis club, you know, that's why we exist. All those who have experienced salvation are members of God's body. And therefore, they're eligible for baptism and, and, and membership into and this great body of believers to affirm and to help them walk them through. It's powerful stuff. And it has these purposes the church, the purpose of worship. Love their worship today, by the way, Matt. Um, fellowship, discipleship, doing ministry inside the church. And evangelism, reach, reaching people. Those are, if you want to know the assessment points of a church, if it's healthy, are we are, are we worshiping? Are we fellowshipping? Are we discipling? Are we training? Are we you know are we ministering inside outside? Are we evangelizing? And then I'm going to skip to, to uh, for, uh, slide 14 about Satan. Um, so what about Satan? You know. <laughs> Uh, we know this, is that we believe that Satan is a real being, not, not some figment of our imagination. Um, we believe that he's the open and declared enemy of God and God's people. That his purpose here is to be the destroyer of your lives and whose destiny ultimately will be eternal punishment. He will not win, but he is the enemy of everything pure. And how do you know he exists? I can tell you, you're seeing it right now. When third grade kids are convinced, being convinced that they are the opposite sex, I mean, this is this world is really what you begin to see when you step away from the premise of God. I mean, you know, and and it, it's 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 heartbreaking. Um, we are upcoming going to be doing a, a series on um, uh, really it's how do you do spiritual warfare you know, so we're talking about we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare and going through all the armor um, um second coming of jesus christ we believe jesus is, will come back the question is will you be ready <laughs> will we be ready lots to teach on that you know as well but we do believe that he will come back the bible says in the twinkling of an eye um, and he even gives us science and, I mean, I'm not going to prognosticate. Nobody knows when he's going to come back. But I will tell you this. Uh, you know, Even history has a hard time recording how easy it is to blow this whole thing up like that. You just see everything lining up, and it's chaos. And uh, the only thing that's going to pull it together is the presence of God. But the Bible says that ultimately, you know, he'll, he, will, he will come back. And those that, are, that have faith in him, you know, they will be um they'll be taken up in this thing called the rapture. you ever heard of the rapture you know and we'll be living with him and that's something that i used to teach every year because i want people to know really that this is just a momentary time that we have and he asked us to be great stewards of this time what about the eternal state the bible says that all people will experience resurrection did you know that you're going to if you're with god or you know are saved or not saved you're going to experience a resurrected body believers to the state of eternal life in heaven and unbelievers to the state of eternal punishment hell is real and part of the reason why we exist is to love people out of hell not make them afraid so they don't go to hell and I always say, where God isn't, that's where hell is. And you see it sociologically. It's a real place. But, but sociologically, the further we get away from God, you just see the whole moorings of, of society fall apart. Now, why, why did I just spend this time talking about that? Because I don't, I mean, you're getting to know me, and I'm getting to know you. But here's one thing. I don't believe anymore that everybody in a church understands anything that I just said. I've seen way too many things that give me the idea that they've heard those words, but it would be hard for them to recount you know, what their theology is an orthodox theology is. Now, some of you do, and don't get offended by me saying, you know, um, in fact, get offended, I don't care. <laughs> we need to teach the word, and, and we need to know the word, and we need to know the reason why we are part of this incredible eternal family, family of God, And what I've just shared, and I understand it's only a brief pericope, um, but it's so essential for us as we begin to navigate through a post-Christian, post-modern world um, about what's important to God. And what I've just shared in brief gives us uh, that first step, that baseline. So you'll hear us, we'll be teaching about that, incorporating everything I just said into our sermons. It may not be a series, but it'll. All of those are so important for us to know. And here's the thing: it's a homework assignment. Go home. You know, study some of this for yourself. There's all kinds of great teaching. If you want more on any of that, before we get to the point where we're going to do a whole series on God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, go and there's there's lots. And if you need me to give you some resources, I would love to do it. But um, so, um, last thing said: if we're I'm going to compile everything that I've just been talking about since I've been here into a booklet. And as I've already said, when people start coming, when we start inviting people, when we hire, you know, and when we go to the next step, they're going to know exactly what we believe. And, and, and what I've shared really comes from years and years of experience with churches that, that have mission drift. They become something other than what the gospel says that we should be. And, and so everybody's gonna be on the same page about what is a Great Commandment Church, what is a church, you know, what, are, what is the Holy Spirit, who is God. And so we're doing this together. Um, and it's gonna be, um, it'll be the first um, product of at least this season to where people will say, well, what is Peninsula Hope Church? Well, here's, here's what we believe about the church. Here's what we believe. So people know what they're stepping themselves into. But I wanted to do that here um, and, again, I realize that it isn't, like, uh, super super inspirational unless you love, you know, teaching from God's Word. Um, but I want you to know that I believe that what we just talked about is going to be the foundation for what God is going to build here, understanding God's Word in totality, you know, uh, and then expressing it and living it out. Amen? <laughs> Amen? Um, well, so with that being said, um, I'm looking at the time, and I'm just going to... Close it with a word of prayer I want you to know that next week we have um, a guest speaker here one one of the team uh, Mates that we're processing through to bring here. He's actually taught at this church before his name is Chris Chavez He passes a great church in um, in Vacaville in fact, I think Randy actually has been there, you know, uh, um, and uh, And they didn't kick him out. So Randy must have behaved but the uh, but he's gonna be here next week And then we're going to have, um, again, we'll have some online and some in person. And, uh, and the next time I speak, I'm gonna actually be speaking about vision about, you know, what will become as a church. Um, but, um, but so far, you know, Benjamin has been a part of it. Cost has been a part of it. Chris right now he's processing, but he wanted to teach. He loves this church. And that's the thing that you need to understand is certain people have like a supernatural love for this church and uh, so he called me and he said hey do you need anybody to teach there and i said yeah don't you don't you pastor a church you know uh, um yeah but i don't know so he's gonna be here next week bring someone here with him and then um benjamin and i are talking a whole lot about how he's right down the street about how we can partner together and and i'll be here so um i'm hopeful Uh, you know keep the faith affirm each other and know that God has got something very really special if you're prepared to give you know you know how to give and so um, and that's always an important part so far you've done a phenomenal job in keeping us you know um, with with some revenue <laughs> and so thank you for just being faithful to God in your tithes and offerings it's huge it's big um, but the most important thing is that you know that God loves you and, um, and I tell you what thanks for the opportunity of being here you know, as well so let's pray let's stand lord thank you for your for your word thank you for what your word says Lord, the promise of you the power of your word, lord god and we aren't just part of an assembly we're or we're a part of this eternal plan and we have we have a place in that eternal plan and we start thinking about the supernatural And we start thinking about just how you inspire and empower us to do things beyond our ability. And Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to watch out for everybody here. Lord, I pray for anyone here, Lord, that has financial challenges, Lord, or relational challenges, Lord, in their marriage or with their kids, um, or, or, or even relationships with those that they work with. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just keep them, Lord God, sustain them. Lord, I pray that we would continue to support each other, Lord, as, as we um, literally race towards you, Lord. And we ask these things in your holy name. Amen, amen, amen. It's great to see you. Make sure, you, man, you give each other a hug, high five, or whatever you're allowed to do, you know. Uh, um, and uh, we'll see you.